Yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. Yeah. Easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the call for everyone else. But again, mm -hmm. who holds up the banner and the calls for That us? we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have been doing. Hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Um, it is so good to see you all, my sisters, my sisters. Um, viewing audience, come on, come on. Like, tag, and share. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss today's conversation. We're talking about women, preachers, and sets. All right, I'm going to put it that way. Women, preachers, and sets. So y'all go and tag everybody you know because you've been talking about it and now come on let's have the informed conversation on today karen hori is so good to see you from yonkers new york rosalind leslie from delaware i'm val bell from texas it's so good come on come on come on in here come on in here i was just about to call her name and so i'll wait till she circles back around uh dr sarita um right hello my sister dr kai horn kai horn el amin my uh, double sister, so good to have you here from Tennessee on today. Dr. Wright, you had the audacity uh, to send pictures of a luxurious hotel room, you know, beautiful beachfront, you know, and then send us, you know, uh, pictures of your food. Like we were asking you questions. We didn't ask you where you were, what you were doing, any of that. Okay. All right. Now she's disappeared on me. Okay. We didn't Okay. Bradford, all right, you here. Okay, Bradford. <laughs> we um, took a moment on last week um, to pray for um, your brother, as you shared with us that it was an emergency surgery. Part of this viewing audience um, agreed with us um, around that in prayer. Just give us an update on how your brother is and how are you in all of your travels. We are thankful that you prayed for us, for my brother. God healed his body. He is up and moving around. Hallelujah. So thank God for your prayers. God is a healing God. And we thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite a scary um, touch and go for a moment there. But God says, oh, no, he will yet live to do the works that I've called him to do. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And so how are you also um, doing? We know that you are Jarvis um, preaching for their chapel service. You've been traveling all around the country, um, mm -hmm. evangelizing along with um, your, your home church. So how, how are you? How are you doing in, in self-care as well? Oh, that last question got you. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I was all right until you got to that last piece. You know, I was I was really okay. Um, we're gonna work on that last thing, but the the previous thing is we're doing good. Um, as you shared, we are traveling. God is just granting so many opportunities, so I'm thankful. So wow. we're gonna work on that last piece um, okay. soon. Okay. All right. All right, Wallace, you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Self-care. How are you, yeah, Wallace? And any any word for our sister? Um uh breathe. Because that's something I need to do. Yes. Breathe in deeply. Hold it. Let it out. That seems to sometimes calm me down. I needed that. Um, they, that's a minute, uh, that's a one minute um self-care yeah technique um, yeah yeah much needed much needed yeah. it won't get better though especially especially if you're busy like uh, like us we need you know sometimes those minute um or five minute that's um, right self-care right. just listening to some calming music you know the ocean sometimes will yeah. relax just in you know not a whole lot just busy people we don't have time to spend at times we don't have time um, uh, wait a minute. hold on hold on wallace i got distracted you were talking about self-care and you know and relaxing and then the ocean and our sister had the audacity to to put this um i mean i just in, oh, you know oh. um i i want to love i want to <laughs> I want I want to love you. I want to rejoice in all of how God blesses you. With. But here in DC, we just got hit with you know thirty nine degree weather on today. Okay, yeah, so. Too. <laughs> it's here well. so it is freezing and gonna be yeah. freezing till the weekend. Hey, let me let me ask you this. Let me let me say this. You know. um most often people share, say, well, you do so much. You're doing all this and this, 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 this. But the thing I, I hear is that God gives us a capacity, but also gives us the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. grateful for capacity and the Amen. ability to Amen. do it all. Um, mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. another person can't say, well, you do too much. But what does mm -hmm. the Lord say? Right. Mm -hmm. You're exactly so this that self-care mm -hmm. go go on uh, um dr sarita go ahead okay um sharon mitchell keep the snow in michigan all right yeah okay. keep it i there. move from okay. that sharon i'm good there. no 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 go ahead mm -mm. Go i just want to respond to that what you just said dr bradford and yeah it's very valid but i also do know this the anointing will kill you because <laughs> Gives you that supernatural strength, that supernatural drive, that supernatural mm, when your body is saying, "Okay, I didn't had enough now. I'm, I'm ready to. I'm ready to. I'm ready to shut down." Mm. But the whose you are and the anointing will tell you to keep going. So we have to be wise with that because mm. we can't overdo. Oh no! You have to be able to listen. <clears throat> Listen to all of it. Yeah, yeah. No, listen body, to your mind, soul, and spirit. That's not right. Listen to all of it. All of it. Yeah, because I'm I'm not going to let either one of it, none of it, kill me. So we have to be wise in all of it that the Lord has called us to do. Wow. I'm just happy that all of us are here today. I think the last two or three sessions mm -hmm. we've been um, mm -hmm. 
Somebody's been missing. Yeah, yes. so I'm just mm-hmm. grateful to God that you all ladies are here, my sister. Dr. Burns, wait, 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 wait. You know, we go around the horn. Dr. Burns, how are you doing? How am I doing? Um, I'm doing well. I am um, uh, trying to adjust to the additional role as I shared um, with you all. And you all have celebrated with me that Georgetown um, has um, given me the opportunity uh, to do. Um, and ministry-wise with Kingdom First, I, uh, the best way I can say is that God's blessing it and we are in an explosion kind of place mm-hmm. and phase. And, mm-hmm. and so he's expanding our um, territory of mm-hmm. um, both in uh, the U.S. and outside of the borders of the U.S. And, and so I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to be retired from pastoring. I cannot say that enough. <laughs> After 30 years, you know, I'm Ooh, so glad uh, that God has graced me to be able to, to be at the place um, to, to, to be retired. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory. Wait a minute. I feel a shunder coming in my soul yeah, right now. Catch, did y'all catch that shame? So, um, so yeah. thank you for asking, but no, I'm, yeah. I, I, I right. am grateful. I'm good on today. Y'all, um, viewing audience, come on, like, tag, and share. We're about to bring our guest up, and we're talking about women, ministry, sex, and sexuality on today, all right? So women, ministry, sex, and sexuality, all right? And so you all, you all, you all, you all, come on, like, tag, and share. Make sure that you come in because you don't want to miss this uh, conversation mm-hmm. on uh, today. Um, thank you, Yvonne Williams. Um, um, wow, that makes me nervous. Stellar women of God. Uh, women, okay, bam, I got that. But when you put women of God, okay, that, that's a little nervous. And then you add Stella on top of that. Um, that made me scared. Um, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Hallelujah. God gives us hope we need, even when we complain. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that is so That's true. Absolutely true. Um, thank you. So good to have you with us on today, Dr. Jackson. So good to have you with us on today. Good to see you. Yeah. Um, my daughter Renee Thompson, so good to have you with us on today. It's not shade. I'm just blessed. I'm oh, blessed. God has blessed me. God has blessed me to retire. November 22, almost a year now. From 30 years. My name is is Kunta. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. Eyes free. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. I, I, I ain't mad at you. I am happy. Nah, for you. girl. Be happy for you. Yes. Definitely. We, we, one day we'll grow up and be like you. Oh. Now I'm trying to be catch up with you now, Wallace. World traveler with your ministry and Bradford preaching and, and college campuses right down in Biloxi. I'm trying to grow up and be like my sisters. <laughs> you um, listen, we have a guest backstage today. We're so blessed to have Dr. Monique Moultrie is an associate professor of religious studies at Georgia State University. 
Um, her scholarly interests include sexual ethics, African-American religions and gender and sexuality uh, studies. Her scholarly, um, when we uh, we're blessed in this because she has been, her research has been supported by Ford Foundation Postdoctoral Fellowship, a Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning Grant, a GSU, a Georgia State University's Dean's Early Career Award, the Society for the Scientific Study of Religion, a Jack Shen Research Grant, and an American Academy of Religion Individual Research Grant. She is co-principal investigator on a Henry Luce Foundation Advancing Public Knowledge on Race, Justice, and Religion in America grant, which funds the Garden Initiative for Black Women's Religious Activism, which is where I have been very blessed um, to have come to know and come to have met her and I know her. Outside of the university, Dr. Moultrie serves on the board of directors for the Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, Religious Archives Network. She was a content development working group member for the Columbia University Center on African American Religion, Sexual Politics and Social Justice, and the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choices Scholar Group a group of religious scholars collaborating at the intersection of religion and reproductive justice. Within the larger American Academy of Religion Guild, Dr. Moultrie is the former status of women in the profession chair and a former co-chair of the religion and sexuality unit. So our viewing audience, if you will, please, please, please welcome our guests with us today. Dr. Monique Moultrie. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you welcome, welcome to um, Timely Wisdom. Thank you for um, clearing your schedule. We know that you are away um, doing much research and study and planning from your normal duties at Georgia State. And so thank you for squeezing us in um, and to be with us on today. And uh, we are here to have a discussion about your book, Passionate and Pious, Passionate and uh, Pious. And I'm going to let Dr. Brenda Wallace um, be our lead um, facilitator in our questions oh, on today. She would do that to me. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that, I, <laughs> but thank you, Dr. Moultrie, for your, for your research. Um, we were talking a little bit backstage about um, the some of the things that you found as a result of your analysis of your research. Can you share some of that with us? Sure. So um, the backstory for this book is I grew up in a conservative Christian Baptist church and I, and I had questions about sexuality that weren't answered. And um, during the time I got to college is when Prophetess Juanita Bynum was coming to national recognition and uh, the No More Sheets kind of ministry was blowing up. And she was one of the first people that I heard actually try to give some answers. And um, while ultimately I wasn't 
quite sold on what she was telling me. It was better than nothing and nothing is what I had. So um, I, I set out in this book to talk with others who were following ministries like that, like Bynum's, um, seeing once the ministry is done, you have left the auditorium. What do you go home and do? How are you in the world? What effect does this message have on your day-to-day life, your relationships, your relations? Um, and, and for large part, most of the celibacy movements that I followed, uh, women really wrestled. They, they wrestled and they stumbled and they perfected their faith and they fasted and they stumbled and they prayed and they stumbled and, and, and. Um, and so I didn't hear from any one person that I heard it and, hey, that fixed it. That took away my sexual desire. In fact, that 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 was never the answer. <laughs> the answer was more, I know what God wants me to do, but it's hard. Sisters, mm-hmm. how do you hold on? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the book really came about me trying to explain that. So the first half sort of talks about these various ministries. I look at um, Pinky Promise Movement, which was based here in Atlanta, that is now moved to L.A., um, it followed um, the Wives and Waiting Ministry, which was birthed out of uh, T.D. Jakes Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, I followed Michelle McKinney Hammond's Heart, Heart Wing Ministries and the documentary Soulmate. Um, and uh, I participated in groups uh, that met around all of those topics. So the first half of the book sort of lays out what those groups talk about, what their lessons are. And then the second half is me trying to make sense of what I heard with the women. That, always, been, you know, that always, had to have been a difficult task. So it um, was an interesting task. I, when I teach the book, I, what I tell students is, you know, I was living in those movements. So they're okay. digital largely, but they take up 20 hours of your day. I mean, every hour of my day, I was getting a text message, a group me, a YouTube link something to hold me through the day. And then at night we had bed checks and, you know, responses, text message responses where you're supposed to answer, you know, you're in bed with just you and Jesus, just you know, <laughs> praying for peace. And so I constantly felt like I was a part of these groups. And yet when I teach about it, I also say, I've never felt community like I felt in these groups. I, I, one of my favorite stories to share is um, a group in, in Boston, Massachusetts, a sister during one of the nightly bed checks said, you know, I, I'm not alone and he's still here. Sisters, will you pray? And the next message through the group chat was, we're going to the sister's house. Now, <laughs> it was a blizzard. We got up and left our houses in a blizzard. I took three trains and a bus in a blizzard. Oh my God. To go to this woman's house. And it was like 25 of us deep. And we prayed and cast oil. And this poor brother, he walked the walk of shame trying to pick up his underwear from this corner to that corner, his shoes over here. And sisters were slinging oil and binding him in the name of Jesus. But I, when, you know, when I tell the story, people laugh. But I say, the next time you get a flat tire, do you have 25 people that you can text that will show up? Right. I don't. (laughs) <laughs> Without question, these women were down for for the cause. So I, I'm compassionate. My heart goes out to that. I really 
I appreciated the community that I felt there. Wow. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Um, I'm just, I'm fortunate to have gotten married early in life. Um, but I do know that it is a struggle. Um, one of the things that you say in your book is that um, the women tend to have a belief that you were espousing just a moment ago about celibacy, but yet they didn't practice that. So um, can you talk, share with us maybe out of your research um, that incongruence and how did women um, make peace with that? I know that the lady you said that she called y'all and everybody came and anointed with oil, but is that always the case? How do, how do, how do women make peace with and come to a congruence of this is my belief, but I'm not, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, no, this particular lady, that wasn't the first trip we made to her house and it won't the last. So I, I don't want to, to say it as, you know, this, the community fixes it all. Okay. I, I think we aren't the only ones to have unrealistic ideals. And I think for black women, in particular the women that I studied, it was a double-edged sword. Most sexually active black women are single. Black women do marry. We marry in accordance with the rest of the population, we, but we marry later in life. And so if you have women from the age of consent, we're talking 18, 16, whatever your state law is, to 45 till 50, which is when we tend to get married, being told, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's decades of temptation and decades of not quite making the ideal. So I think for, for women really having a, a longer time in the celibacy movements, they made peace with the fact that they were trying. God knew their heart. They were trying. They were waiting on God to send them their Boaz. They were waiting for God to deliver. They were waiting for God to present to them um, and to be found. They use the language of, you know, the, the man finds a good thing. The man finds the wife. They were waiting for that. Um, and, and they stumbled along the way. And uh, many of them experienced shame around it. But I don't say shame was the primary emotion. Because like I said, the, the way these ministries work is you have to be transparent. You oh, can't get help if you don't, if you're not truthful. You gotta be vulnerable. Only as, as well as the truth you share. Oh. So the you know, AA version is you're only sick as your secrets. In these holiness movements, they're saying, you know, if you really want to be helped, if you want God to help you, you've got to be transparent about where you have stumbling blocks. We've got to talk about what your triggers are. We've got to talk about um Tall, what dark, handsome, and smart. Yeah, yeah. What, what gets you hot and bothered? So, so we know what we're praying against. So we know, you know, where we not leaving you in these dangerous types of scenarios. Um, and I, I appreciated that, but like I said, it didn't fix nothing. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you know, these urges are still there. These women are still working in these ministries, mm -hmm. um, waiting patiently. I pray for liberation for these women. Um, 
and I know that's just my personal um, belief. It is it's it's difficult to hold on to an ancient text and a different, totally different culture, and 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 just and try to say, okay, we're gonna pray this away. We're gonna keep praying. We slip and come back, and we we pray. Um, Renita Wings helped me with this. She says um, in her book, What Matters Most is that your desire for a full and fulfilling life begins with your resisting the definitions and labels others place on you to define who you are in an attempt to tell you what you ought to think, uh, <clears throat> and and I, I was I'm just curious. Did any of the women say, okay, I've been here, I like it, I've been here two, uh, two three decades. This ain't working for me. I, I need to go find some liberation. I, and I, I'm just curious if that ever happened. Dr. Wallace, I'm I want to jump in there because you're you're bringing up because I I wasn't a pew baby. I got saved off the streets. So I had test driven a few cars before I got saved. <laughs> and so coming into this, now y'all telling me I can't do none of that. Now where do we go from there? You know, how do they mm -hmm. do that? Because oh taste and see that the Lord he is good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. So in white Christianity, there's this sense of born again virginity where where you have tasted and, you know, or you have self-pleasured. I mean, they talk a great deal in these ministries about sex, uh, sexual pleasure and self-pleasuring masturbation. Oh, I didn't have time for that. And, and, and for many of them, that was just as evil as being with someone, just as sinful. But for others, it was sort of the nicotine patch. I'm trying to get off of it, but you know, this this is my stepping down system. Uh, and I think many of them, I worry about the word seeking liberation because none of them thought they were bound. So in in using their language, what they were seeking was a closer relationship with God. And they truly believed the closer they could get with God, the more apparent it would be who God was sending them to. And they they would be more receptive. There was lots of sermons and lessons about, you know, not curbing the, the goody two-shoe brother or not friend zoning a, a guy just because he didn't have all of your uh, characteristics because that might be who God was sending you to and, and you and your pleasure and your flesh have turned that down. Um, Bynum says it in her sermon, like you're used to somebody flipping me this way, turning me this way, licking me that way. And you miss guys who don't do those things because you're caught in what she calls the soul ties, those sexual ties of the past. You miss the perhaps blessing of your future. So um, I, I want to be honest about how they framed it, but also understand my own pushback um, to, yes, sis, I don't know about that. 
Like, why do we have a clitoris if right. we're not supposed to experience you. it? Why? God is a fearfully, wonderfully making God. Like, why is it there? It doesn't arrive when I marry. It came with the kit. Like, I came out the room with it. Uh-huh. So, you know, when I started thinking together with them, uh-huh. um, I, I, I troubled some of that water in ways that, again, I wasn't trying to push them towards liberation. I was just trying to push them towards, like, okay, now tell me how you understand this. Because what's it there for, for you? Mm-hmm. And their refrain was more like, well, it's there because it's it's supposed to serve you and your husband. And until then, it's just, you know, holding things in place. I'm like, that's not how anatomy works, but okay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just typing what you're saying. I, I don't have to agree. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What you're saying. There's, a, there's a question in the chat. Um, ladies, one of you want to. The question says, did they have a text in reference to self-pleasure? And so there are two questions. And so we, so we don't have to interrupt you from that question. You can flow into the next one as well. Yeah. So what, um, you can go ahead and grab that other one because I, Oh, so what about about women who never marry? What about those? Sorry about that. um, Yeah. So, so question, the first question, um, a lot of the self-pleasuring texts, uh, they're referring to the biblical story of Onan and uh, God cursing the seed that he spills rather than produce children. And so um, that's sort of their anti-self-pleasure scripture is that God wasn't pleased with that, so God wouldn't be pleased with you. Mm-hmm. I, but, you know, some of my participants were like, well, I don't see nothing in the text about sex toys. I mean, this said don't do this, but a sex toy is different. I'm not spilling no seed. Like, women were making nuanced decisions mm-hmm. about what they could do and stay within the bounds. Like, I can do this, but not that. I can do that, but not all the way there. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. I mean, and it's real. It's how people really make decisions in life. And I think it was that the only text they used because it's a patriarchal text, and it's talking about a man. It's not even talking about a woman. So I'm, I'm confused. How did they? This it was just so incongruent for for me in how, um, we take this literal, literal meaning of the text without context and that's dangerous um it tends to bind people up mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i definitely i've seen that i've experienced that myself i think for for those of us who believe the text is supposed to still speak mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is that is a hard thing to say, okay, well, what do you say about the person who acts about the sex toys? Well, if the text doesn't say anything about it, does that mean it's okay? If the text is silent, what do we do? Do we lean to our own understanding? Do we hold this to apply to this, even though the text doesn't say it? And people make lots of those circuitous kinds of reasonings that they're trying to make sense of of their day-to-day. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's patriarchy. I'm sure it's not in our best interest. It's to keep, you know, it's the same reason why there's genital, genital mutilation, genital circumcision. It's to keep our sexual sexuality restrained while, you know, men get to fully live into theirs. Right. Um, but I, I want to answer the question about the women who never marry. And um, and she, um, Dr. Session gave a qualifier as well to that. She says that her question was in, in response to the idea of the clitoris reserved for a woman and her husband. Yes. So there really is a sense that you never age out of these ministries. That's why there ended up being a chapter on senior sexuality in the book, because I couldn't understand for the life of me why I was seeing 55, 65, 70 year old women in these ministries. It made no good sense. And I wanted to understand. And in their worldview, God still is able. That's right. And they use, you know, the Sarah story. Sarah thought God wasn't going to come through for, but, you know, look at God. God God's will will always win out. They, they really had this belief. And it was your job to be patient until. It was your job to be prayed up, to be purified, to fast, to to be a worker. And I will say, um, a, a large part of of the ministries aren't about let's like be obsessed about sex. It's about okay, well, we're called to do the work of God. Like we're we're so sex obsessed, we can't do the work of God. Like God needs us to be out active in the world, helping bring others to Christ. So if we do that, then we have less time to be focused on the fact that we in bed alone. So for for those who never marry, they still believe God. They still believe that it was God's will. They if if they are caught up before um, that the language is used, if they're caught up, if they die before they marry, they still believe that it was God's will. That they were still working working within God's will. And yeah. I, I don't know what to tell folks. Oh, I mean, I will say one of the things I did say in the ministries was that thank you, Sherry Brown. Ooh, the clitoris doesn't age. So even if you have believed this and it's 62, 72, 92, mm-hmm. you go, well, you know what, God? Ain't nobody else touched it. I will. The clitoris does not age. It becomes less sensitive, but it does not age. It is still serves its purpose. It is still gratefully a pleasure center. And so I'm grateful for that design, that that it's never too late to to come to a new idea. Wow. Wow. That that's 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 interesting. Um would you define for our audience what faith-based sexuality really is and um why 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 is it still perpetuated? It it uh, especially we in the tw- almost moving toward the twenty second century. Mm-hmm. We're in the twenty first century, um, and the the text that they are holding so dear and true to. There was polygamy. There were enough, even though there weren't enough men. Yeah, the mm-hmm. men had several women. So I'm I'm just. I'm, um, that is not our reality. So I, I'm just, I'm really struggling to, to make sense of um, 
they're making meaning and following an ancient text that um, was not meant all the way. I mean, yes, we, we read the text, <clears throat> excuse me, we read the text, mm -hmm. God gives us um, information in addition to our research about the text and not just, okay, I'm gonna take the Bible and I'm gonna go preach what, this is what the Lord said and that's it, that settles it. Um, I saw that that quote mm -hmm. in, your, in your book and- um, so, so Wallace, so, you can, yeah, please let her please. answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm having mm -hmm. a hard time. Mm -hmm. So to, to answer though, I think what I learned was the reason why I had questions was that I got a lot of messages about sex, but I didn't get any direct messages about sex. So what do I mean by that? That's what I what I found and defined as faith-based sexual messages. So I was told to keep my legs closed. I was told to stay pure. I was told to wait until marriage. I was given very little, none, zero information about what sex and marriage was supposed to be, about what sexuality was supposed to what sexual pleasure was supposed to be, what sexuality was supposed to be. Um, and so I was really interested in, okay, well, what are these messages they're actually saying? So if I go here buying them, what is she saying about sex? And I just literally like wrote down every time the word sex, every time a body part came into a sermon, I wrote that down. Okay, literally, what is the message? And then I went on to be fascinated by, okay, where else does it come up? Mm -hmm. So you're hearing this message here, and then is it replicated? Is it confirmed? They use the confirmation language. You hear a sermon and then if you hear it again or you see a billboard, that's confirmation that God was speaking to you. Mm. So is it confirmed somewhere? And for them, it was confirmed with the, all the other single women in their group. Mm. Mm. And they were, they were hearing the same messages. They were speaking the same languages. And so these faith-based sexuality messages particularly were from white evangelical Christianity, but mm -hmm. really paired for black audiences. Mm -hmm. So when you have Bynum speaking, you know, whites, their headship model goes, the daughter is the property of the father until she's the property of the wife, of the husband, mm -hmm. until she becomes a wife. Mm -hmm. In black situations where family dynamics are more murky and there may not be a father that is actively present to quote unquote, protect one's purity, mm -hmm. then who's in charge of it? Right. And then my pastor's in charge of it because the pastor is the, the leader of the community. Wow. And my pastor says I should wait. And I'm waiting until I'm now under the headship of my husband. And so these, these messages, while slightly different, they were pitched to an audience, I think, of Black women for Black women who were, you know, facing the waiting to exhales. You know, when Bynum's sermon comes out, that's during waiting to exhale. And, so, and, I, I, and I, I want to ask you this real, 
this real quick. Ooh. So if the pastor is in charge, okay, you, you, you hear me? <laughs> I was about to jump in right there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm in double dutch. Let me in, coach. Let me in. <laughs> ooh, Lord have mercy, because I rush. What if that you you want to go ahead and go ahead, burn? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm gonna let you breath. <laughs> Sleeping with six, seven, oh. eight women in the church, oh. and uh, uh, but you in charge of me, and you married, and you sleeping with and six or seven. Uh, how, what? No, I, I, I have a problem what with that. The pastor is a female. Mm. Men, you sleep with six or seven men in the church, whatever it is. But most of the time, when a man <laughs> is at the helm, he's sleeping mm. with some. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A few women in the church, and it's supposed to be discreet. Nobody's supposed to know. But you, you got thing. babies everywhere in the church, mm -hmm. and nobody's supposed to know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a problem. I understand because I've heard those same words. I have a problem with that, though. Mm -hmm. And that—that's an issue. I'm not male bashing. I'm not pastor bashing, that's but. It. But the, but the, but no the pastor, thing. but right, but but right, passing her on from from father to brother, That's not hard. pastor, right, and and knowing that there's been so much sexual violation of women yeah. by by fathers, by brothers, by uncles, by pastors, cousins. right, and cousins. When you you look at this, mm -hmm. and so um, and so you have this message, that right, that right that that's being preached to women to to be to be pure but that same message is not being preached to the men to do the same thing and but yet now you put a male in charge of of a quote virgin woman mm -hmm. uh, that that is just sets up for all kinds of um, sexual violations and continued abuse I mean, just, to a woman's so, body so while yeah. point, it's, just not, it's just not women <laughs> Um, because I just read an article, uh, Bishop Soet, I'm not going to call their name, um, sexually violated their own grandsons. Jesus. So, yeah, all of this is just, no. no go ahead, Dr. Moultrie. I, just I, I absolutely agree. The trauma, the, the, the potential for violence is ever present. But I start the book with a story that happens when I'm 16. I was yeah, friends. That was going to be my next thing. Go ahead, go ahead. When and she gets pregnant. Girls coming to the church. Yeah. And she had to come up before the church. She had to leave the choir stand, come up and, and repent. And I asked my mother, who was a mother of the church, like, what the hell just happened? Like, I'm so confused. Because mm -hmm. I knew who the father was. And the father was the deacon's Where son. And the deacon didn't move. The, son, the, the mm -hmm. father didn't move. Like, come nobody on. moved with the women. Come that, on. I was so confused. And it, it was necessary because her father, her grandfather was the leader, the pastor of the church. She had shamed their family line and it was necessary. And she has the child, it's stillborn. And eight months later, she's pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And and now, you know, 20 years later, 25 years later, she is now married to a deacon in that same congregation. She's in the same congregation. And when I interviewed her, I said, you know, would you do anything? Would you want something different? And she's like, no, no, they were good. They were, they were right to tell me to stand on faith, to stand on the word, to tell me what, you know, God wanted me to do. I just was backslid, backslidden. I, I wasn't paying attention. So these messages, 
they go hand in hand with the racism and the sexism that tell women not to believe women, that tell women that we deserve these these types of treatments, that when this happens, it's because we were fast and we were loose and we were unable to keep our legs closed. So if you have told someone this is who's in charge and that person in charge violates that, Mm. they believe that's what's supposed to happen. Mm. But what happened to the hermeneutic of suspicion? (laughs) My great aunt, bless her soul, would say, don't don't let the boys kiss you because a tiger gonna rise up in you. So you get these messages. I will never forget it. I just never forget it. But you get these messages that you know the women are to be pure. The women are, but they never bring the man in front of the church to repent, not just for sexual issues, but for anything. Me too right. ever got to a black church. It's biblical. For anything, I um, I I know that I I shared Dr. Moultrie has heard me share this that um, starting I was a licentiate preacher, but the message was sent to me early when I watched um, a um, a a a preacher um, lose be defraud lose her ordination lose her status because she became pregnant. And um, and brought before the entire annual conference with the matter mm-hmm. of her pregnancy, and the individual who got her pregnant was one of the elders, presiding elders of the church, and so and nothing, and he retired, you know, um, in good standing wow. um, um, from the church, and um, whereas whereas she was publicly put to shame. Mm-hmm. But what to take to what adds more frustration to this is that you have these women that are told, okay, this pastor is over. And so how then do they, are they able to develop healthy relationships in a marriage after they've been tampered with, toyed with, and passed about all down through everywhere? Yeah, that was the great sadness for me in the text is how many women once they got into a marriage, had no clue what to do, had no clue how to tap back into the sexuality that they had restrained and that they had been told for so long, they cannot exercise, they cannot let the tiger out. That when they were then in a space where they were supposed to, they couldn't flip, they couldn't make that move. So they don't and have the they intimacy. They, they have um, yeah. a lack of understanding what real intimacy is, uh, not just sexually, but I mean, to have that conversation uh, with your mate. Um, so it, it, they lack in my mind, you know, I, and I, I really don't want to be judgmental. I, I declare I don't, but that is sure enough what's rising up in me. So I'm, I, let me just put that out there. Um, it, 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 as I looked at your book, I was like, oh, I can't believe these women do this. I can't believe they think this. In the 21st century, mm-hmm. that's the, the rub for me. That That's the, um, I'm trying to make meaning of what they're trying, what they make made meaning of. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm lost. I, I'm just so lost. Can you tell what was the final finale <laughs> of your of your book and the uh 
what 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 can you share with our audience from the finality of what your research? So one of the questions in the chat was, you know, what did my presence do in these ministries? What did me as an observer change or interfere with? And that's the finality for me of the book was facing my own how I had changed. I started where they started and I came to a different belief set. And was liberation them doing the same or was it something else? Mm -hmm. And so one of the stories I share is a woman who is being um, domestically abused. Mm -hmm. And for a season, she's just black and blue and people know it. They know where it's coming from. They know her husband is beating her and, and she's, Asking for prayer, asking for prayer, asking for prayer. And um, I come to this conclusion that like, she's going to get killed while I'm doing this research. Mm. So I like, in my christian as language as I can, you know, I tell her, you know, God wants you to have wholeness. God wants you to have peace. God wants these things. Mm -hmm. And you can't have that with this man. And mm. so this man gets helped. And um, it was crickets. Like it, it did, it shut down communication. Mm. And one of the ways the book ends is with my realization to the question that you asked in the 21st century, what do we give women? Because women want a way of making meaning. Mm -hmm. They want a, a blueprint. They want a guidepost. And if we don't have something else to give them, they go back to the curriculum that's already laid out. That's how I end, is with a sense that those of us who are doing something different we have to provide that because otherwise they're going to stick with what is consistent. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'm, um, I, I, I would love to pray for these women's liberation. Um, cause it, I mean, it's, it's, we in the black community have so few options with, with having husbands. And to add this restraint um, seems to complicate the problem um, for me. Um, I, 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 <clears throat> I, I'm just, um, I, I look at my sister Sarita Wright. She, she just, shared, she shared her story. God didn't kill her. God didn't banish her. And she got a handsome husband. So, <laughs> so oh. I, I want to, I, I'm, you know, that, that. It, Dr. Wallace, I'm, I want to say something with that. And I appreciate that. But I think that with, and, and not just with this group here, we have become transparent in a better way. And we've become more open in a better way. This is a conversation that is so long overdue because mm. young girls that feel like they have to be sex slaves and sex toys. And, and I'm trying to remember the pastor who um, ministered out of Detroit and she's now gone on to glory, but it was a big deal about it because she told these young women don't allow themselves to have sex from behind because it was a man's way of uh, denying who they were. And it, it, it was a, a whole lot went with that. But 
I I have daughters. My 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 daughter's married. You know, my daughter was a virgin when she got married. She didn't, uh, or when she when she didn't know what to do. And I thank God that she felt okay to come to me and say, "Mommy, I don't understand. I I don't. What am I supposed to do?" And that I was able to say to her, "Baby girl, this is a process." This, this, there are things that you can do. And until we pull off the cover and those blinders and stop going, just pray about it. Just pray about, well, y'all done prayed about it and it ain't work for y'all really good. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, what's, what's the real, what's the real backstory here? How mm-hmm. do I do this? Until we teach them how to be, how, how to have a voice and say, you know, these are things that I enjoy. These are things that I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Married folks don't have no business having sex anyway. They need to be making love. When you make love, you get the total package. <laughs> you can have sex with anybody. And that's the problem. They've had sex so mm-hmm. long to now they're coming into a place mm-hmm. to where they want to be trusting. They mm-hmm. want to be open. They want to be intimate. And they think they already were. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. so unfair. And we have to speak up. We have to teach them. This has to become open in the Bible study. Hello, somebody. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, and I, I have those people that back up and they go, girl, you'll say anything. That's the problem. That's what that's what our leader says about me. Y'all <laughs> will say, Wallace, you got it all written down, but I don't know. It, well, anything might come out your mouth. I, I She's right. <laughs> But it's not fair, and we're we're doing them a disservice by allowing them to keep going around. What do you say? You've encompassed this mountain roundabout long enough. It's time to move northward. Wait, wait, wait. There's a question that we we really need to be. We, we really need this question answered. We need solutions, mm-hmm. but whose responsibility is it to find those solutions? It is the responsibility of the mothers. Okay. Uh, so- Go ahead. And. And, and and with that, because we only have a few more moments with, with mm-hmm. our guest, um, also about the solution and what does the liberation actually look like? Yes. <clears throat> and so, not to put pressure on you, but we only have yeah. about uh, about four more good minutes left. <laughs> I, I will say women didn't fix it. All the ministries that I focused on were led by women. So I went in naively thinking we just need more women pastors, more women ministers to to speak and and they will do something different. So my response now is we need liberated women to speak. And for me, liberation is what connects us to the divine, Mm -hmm. but it connects us to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I can't deny a part of myself and say I'm liberated. If any part of me has to be bound, then I, I'm not fully liberated. Correct. So for me, I, I, I think that's that's where I wanted us to to be, mm-hmm. is I wanted women to then have the space and to tell the truth and not lose their livelihood, mm-hmm. to share mm-hmm. truth, wisdom, and, and liberation with folks and still eat and retire and and have a roof over their head, that there are consequences mm-hmm. for saying true yes. things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's why it is just, you know, it's why sexism stays because it dissuades us from being courageous in those ways. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it's everybody's responsibility, but it also is a communal responsibility. We have to support those who do that work, recognizing what they're going up against. Mm. Mm. Wow. Ooh. We're gonna yeah, need a break. Yeah, we do. We know that your schedule is tight, but um, oh, we we have to find. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna need you to look okay. at your schedule for that new year and find another Tuesday. Oh, I would love um, to. <laughs> to, so to come <laughs> and discuss this. Um, I don't think we've even gotten to the tip of the iceberg, and, and if you can see in the chat that there there's there's just so much conversation. Um, that is, um, 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 it's occurring um, here. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, it was excellent conversation. We really, uh, I want to thank you for your courage. Yeah. Um, to absolutely to to go up against something that you knew in from your childhood was incorrect or it could not have possibly been fair or equal, or there was no egalitarianism in any of it. Ah. Um, but I really appreciate, I appreciate your scholarship. I um, I appreciate your courage to bring, bring it forth. Cause I don't know, I think there's a real gap in the literature about um, what, what, <clears throat> what Christian women um, ought to do or have their own agency um, with well, God. Right it's just hard. It's just hard. Yeah. I'm thankful. That that's what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for your, for your thank you. Um, yes, your, your scholarship. Um, audience, uh, her book is called Passionate and Pious. Passionate and Pious. The link is um in the chat. You're able to um, buy it on Amazon, mm -hmm. um, Passionate and Pious by Dr. Monique uh, Moultrie. And we are serious. We got to have you back. I'm looking at your schedule. I'm hanging around backstage for us and put it in the chat. She can see it. Uh, let our um, guests know how much you want to see her back at Timely Wisdom with us. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on today. Oh, we hear you, um, Cassandra. Mm -hmm.